0: I call
1: this meeting to order at 5.02 p.m. Clerk, can you please take roll call for attendance?
2: Yeah, on the call of the roll, Commissioner Wong? Present. Commissioner Wong, present. Uh, Commissioner Adair? Present. Commissioner Adair, present. Uh, Commissioner Loftus? Present. Commissioner Loftus is present. Commissioner Miller? Present.
3: Commissioner Miller
2: is present. Um, Officer Lestana? Present. Officer Lestana is present. Uh, Commissioner Anish is absent. Um Officer Udding present. Officer Udding is present. Uh, Commissioner Colleen, present. Commissioner Colleen is present. Uh, Commissioner Pimentel, present. Commissioner Pimentel is present. Vice uh, Chair Barker-Plummer, present. Vice uh, Barker-Plummer is present. Officer Hum, present. Officer Hum is present. Um, Officer Shaw,
4: present.
2: Officer Shaw is present. Uh, Commissioner M is absent. Commissioner Hillman. Present. Commissioner Hillman is present. Uh, Commissioner Terrell? Present. Commissioner Terrell is present. Uh, Commissioner Mursa? Um, present. Commissioner Mursa is present. Chair Nguyen? Present. Chair Nguyen is present. With 15 present and two absent, you have quorum. Great. Thank you. So it looks like
1: Commissioners Anish and M are both absent. Staff, did they give 72 hours in advance notice?
2: Uh, Commissioner M has um, no longer qualifies for an excuse absence, but they did provide 72 hours in advance. Um, and then Commissioner Anish had a family emergency this morning, so could not provide the 48 hours.
1: Okay. Are there any motions on the table to excuse these commissioners? I motion to
5: excuse Commissioner Anish.
6: Seconded.
1: Um, Commissioner Colleen, motions to excuse Commissioner Anish, seconded by Commissioner Terrell. I didn't know if it was you or Alistair. Um, Is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment?
2: If members of the public will like to speak please press star three or raise your hand if you're using the webex app or if you're here in person you can come behind the podium you have no public comment thank you so now we'll be doing a
1: voice vote to excuse commissioner niche all those in favor please say aye aye all those opposed say nay great so the motion passes um, clerk can you please call item number two
2: Item number two is communications. The minutes will reflect that the Youth Commission participated in this meeting in person with remote access. The Commission recognizes that public access to city services is essential and invites public participation in the following ways. First, public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call by calling 415-655-001, meeting ID 2488. 949-7630, then pound and then pound again, or you can join us via the WebEx system. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussion, but will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, please dial star three to be added to the speaker line if you've called in, or if you join us via the WebEx app, you may also raise your hand. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing at either of the following ways, email them to the youth commission at Y-O-U-T-H-C-O-M at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and be included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to the Office of the City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 345, San Francisco, California, 94102. Those attending the meeting in person will have the opportunity to speak in public comment first before remote access. That concludes my communications. Great, thank
1: you. Clerk, can you please call item number
2: three?
1: Item number three is approval of the agenda. Okay, so commissioners, please take this time to look over today's agenda. As a reminder, there's an expectation that everyone looks at the agenda prior to the meeting, and I will accept any motions whenever y'all are ready. Motion to approve, Commissioner Utting. Seconded,
6: Commissioner Colleen.
1: Commissioner Utting, motions to approve today's agenda, seconded by Commissioner Colleen. Is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any
2: public comment? if members of the public would like to speak on this item please press star three or raise your hand in the webex app or line up behind the podium and you have no public comment
1: thank you public comment is now closed so now we'll be doing a voice vote to pass the agenda all those in favor please say aye aye all those opposed say nay so the motion passes Clerk, can you please call item number four
2: item number four is approval of the minutes for the may 1st 2023 full youth commission meeting commissioners please take this time to look over
1: the minutes from the last full youth commission meeting and i'll be accepting any motions whenever y'all are ready motion to approve the minutes by commissioner colleen seconded commissioner colleen motions to approve the minutes seconded by commissioner barker plummer is there any discussion on this motion seeing none is there any public comment
2: If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three, raise your hand in the WebEx app, or line up behind the podium. And you have no public comment.
1: Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Now we'll be taking a voice vote to pass the minutes. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, say nay. Okay. thank you. The minutes have passed. Clerk, can you please call item number five?
2: Item number five is general public comment for matters under the jurisdiction of the Full Youth Commission, but not on today's agenda. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this matter to start to line up behind the podium and or press star three now if you're calling in remotely, or if you're joining us via the WebEx system, you should raise your hand in the app. Your cue to begin your comments will be you have been unmuted if you've called in, or you will hear two beeps if you join the meeting via WebEx. And to repeat uh, this. Um, general public comment is for matters not on today's agenda. You'll have the opportunity to do public comment on the hearing later in today's meeting. Is there any public comment? Is there any line? Okay, you have no public comment.
1: Thank you, public comment is now closed. Clerk, can you please call item number six?
2: Item number six. Item number six is hearing to discuss and understand the current status of school safety policies, procedures, and infrastructure at San Francisco Unified School District school sites and requesting the San Francisco Unified School District and the San Francisco Police Department to report.
1: Okay, great, thank you. So today we'll be hearing from SFUSD and the San Francisco Police Department on status of current school safety measures. Commissioner Utting and Vice Chair Barker Plummer have worked on this issue, and it was also a part of our BPPs. Um, I'll pass it off to them to explain the hearing in a little more depth and talk about the presenters here with us today.
6: Thank you, Chair Wynne, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. School safety is an issue that Commissioner Barker Plummer and I have been working on for almost three years. Over the years, we've become more aware of the lack of adequate school safety infrastructure and other measures to keep students safe in schools. We understand that this is an issue that requires collaboration and support with the city and SFUSD to ensure that our schools are safe. However, we want to ensure that this process happens as soon and efficiently as possible. As an SFUSD student surrounded by news of gun violence and school threats, I know it's important to be and feel safe in schools. However, I want to restate that we do not support police in schools, and that's not the purpose of this hearing. We just want to ensure that schools are safe and joyful spaces for learning. I look forward to hearing from the department's presenting today, and thank you all for being here.
7: Thank you, Commissioner Arding, and thank you, Chair Wynne, um, And thank you to everyone who is here today joining us for this important hearing. The issue of school safety is an important issue that requires urgent attention from all parties involved. The goal of today's hearing is to understand the current safety policies, procedures, and infrastructure in San Francisco Unified School District schools. This information should help us with our ongoing advocacy and work on school safety, as well as to provide needed oversight on this issue. The unfortunate, but certainly not unsolvable, reality of 21st century America is that our schools have become a large target for gun violence. The ultimate answer to this crisis is, of course, stronger gun laws to keep weapons of war outside of our schools and youth spaces. But we also must see action locally to ensure everything is being done to keep our school sites safe, uh, safe for students, educators, and staff. Over the past few years, myself and Commissioner Utting have heard consistent concerns from students and other community members regarding SFUSD's safety policies and infrastructure. From multiple delays to the installation of security lock sets, also called Columbine locks, to the lack of a memorandum of understanding between our police and schools there are legitimate concerns that must be addressed. Safety at schools must be the first priority for both the city as well as SFUSD. I also wanna be clear, my goal in this process is not to have police return to school sites. While I respect those with the opinion that the school resource officer program should be restored, I respectfully disagree. I do not believe having on duty police officers on school campuses on a normal day-to-day basis would be conducive to our goal of making safety a community value. I know there have been concerns from community members on that issue, so I want to be crystal clear on what this hearing is for today, to determine the current status of safety policies, procedures, and infrastructure at SFUSD schools. The goal must be to create safe and joyful spaces for our young people. Myself and Commissioner Udding have been in contact with SFUSD regarding many of these issues, and we hope this hearing can provide clarity. We're joined by Hong-Mei Peng, SFUSD's Director of Communications and External Affairs, and Greg Markwith, SFUSD's Director of Planning, Preparedness, and Prevention. Later, we'll also hear from the San Francisco Police Department on what actions they are taking to ensure schools are kept safe, as well as hear more on the working relationship between SFUSD and SFPD. We're joined by Aaron Perra, SFPD Acting Commander, and Delia Montiel, the Community Violence Intervention Coordinator with SFPD Policy and Public Affairs. Thank you both for joining us here today.
6: Thank you. To restate, our first presenters are Hongmei Peng and Greg Markwith. Thank you, Mr. Markwith and Ms. Peng for being here today. Before you start presenting, Chair Nguyen has some directions for the hearing.
1: Yeah, so thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Um, some quick instructions, you'll have 15 minutes to present, um, and we're going to take all questions from commissioners from commissioners at the end of today's hearing. Um, but if you guys could just stick around for the end of questioning portion, that would be great. Um, and yeah, that that's pretty much it. I may need to cut you off if you hit 15 minutes, but we have a really tight schedule. So thank you so much. We'll do good evening. Chair Nguyen, Vice
8: chair, Barker, Plummer, commissioners. Um, my name is Hong Mei Pang. I'm the head of Communications and External Affairs at the San Francisco Unified School District. I want to thank you for calling the hearing on this very important subject and also to thank Vice Chair Barker Plummer, Commissioner Udding, and members of the Civic Engagement and Education Committee for the joint hearing that happened two weeks ago with the YYAF committee. Um, We recognize the critical role that school safety plays in making sure that all of our students can learn learn and thrive. This is a front of mind issue for many of us. This is the issue that keeps us up at night, Um, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share information with you today because I recognize that in light of the recent incidents, there are many questions, so we will be sharing information on SFUSD's plans and practices to support our students and around school safety and we have this deck pre- uh, prepared next slide please. So to kick us off, I am going to provide a brief overview. We recognize that there are specific questions about how we are keeping our campuses safe and, in turn, our students safe. We want to provide a framework and some context we think would be beneficial to the public's understanding on this issue. Anyone who might be tuning in, if you are seeing and hearing this information for the first time, this is important for you to know. So we'll start with our mission, core values and guardrails at SFUSD. We want to frame this discussion in the context of school culture and climate in this particular moment in time and what are some of the things that we're going to do and have in place to engage in a more preventative framework um, and approach to school safety. We will then share information about our work on emergency readiness and safety planning and then move to a rapid response and emergency operations when incidents do occur. We will then shift to share information about site security matrix and address your particular questions around campus security. And lastly, we will discuss how we coordinate and partner with the police department to address school safety issues in light of not having an MOU um, with SFPD. Next slide, please. So really quickly, I wanna ground us in our mission, which is every day we provide each and every student the quality instruction and equitable support required to thrive in the 21st century. This is very much our North Star and how we operate. This is in you know um, every every part of our approach. Next slide, please. And school safety is fundamental to our students' ability to learn and thrive. Our student safety is our top priority and we are holding our core values uh to heart to be able to equitably support our students especially students who are furthest away from access who are sometimes most vulnerable to trauma and violence Um, they are also some of the students most likely impacted by the opportunity gap and so the board of education has passed a set of guardrails in relation in relation to our values uh, to be able to accomplish goals associated with student outcomes and we know that safety is very much instrumental to being able to accomplish um, what we have set out to do to make sure that our students are able to achieve these outcomes and so as you might have heard you know in relation to engaging in partnership in relation to supporting the whole child in relation to resource allocation school safety is front of mind for all of us in relation to how we are going to be able to achieve these guardrails and really be able to carry out our values for fidelity next slide We know that educators and staff have noticed impacts from the pandemic in a way that our youth and students have been able to resolve conflict, respond to one another when harm occurs, and overall social skills development as we are coming back from COVID-19 and returning from distance learning. Families and students furthest from access are disparately impacted, which has led to more complex socio-economic socio-emotional, physical, and mental health needs. And we know that critical to preventing um, violence is being able to foster positive school culture and climate. And we are committed to violence prevention and we know that it starts with building healthy relationships among students and adults who are trusted and between students um, and their peers. So we are implementing several different specific strategies. I won't go into that today because that is not necessarily the focus of today's hearing. Um, but what we want to be able to highlight, and we've shared this at the YYAF hearing a couple of weeks ago, is really the coordinated care teams approach that are uh, that is being implemented across the district to integrate student and family support activities and coordination around a student success towards a safer and more equitable school culture and climate. We have teams in our schools working to create safe wellness spaces where students can drop in and check with their school social workers or mental health providers to access the support they need and to identify students and families who need additional access to support and services. There is also a wellness initiative in partnership with the Department of Children, Youth and Their Families, DCYF, and the San Francisco Department of Public Health to be able to put a wellness center in every SFUSD high school. We are expanding this model to middle school and this allows us to be coordinated, be able to deploy central resources in order to serve and wrap around students and their families, to be able to curb violence um, at the onset, to be able to address needs right that um, sometimes could contribute uh, to escalations or the inability to de-escalate conflict. Uh, In addition to that, you know, when incidents do happen, we do have centrally deployed resources, whether if it's school social workers, school nurses, in order to provide additional care and support. And specifically in our middle school, which is a lot of where the incidents we are observing occurring, right? um, We have targeted support for middle school uh, students, whether if it's around the wellness teams, central staff, Um, or targeted programs to be able to support our middle school students. Um, Lastly, I I did wanna highlight the Say Something Anonymous reporting system. Um, You all might have heard about this partnership that we have with the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation where students at schools um, who have that program implemented are able to report anonymously any kind of serious concerns about violence or if anyone who might be struggling or potentially violence uh, could utilize this app to report and get support and help and this program has launched and is being implemented at school sites serving students grades six through 12. Next slide please. I want to also very briefly overview our readiness strategy in relation to school safety planning. Happy to answer any additional questions associated with this, but the sort of ethos behind this is when incidents occur, we want to be ready and we want to be prepared. And so um, the school district and our schools are required by state uh, laws to have safety plans in place in an event of an emergency. I'm happy to report that all of our school sites have in fact completed their safety plans. So it is, uh, you know, designed associated with the school's facilities to be able to put protocols and policies in place unique and specific to each school. We employ evidence-based prevention measures and have practices like audits and drills in place at each school and also across the school district to be able to address, respond, and be prepared for any emergencies. It cuts across all emergencies, not just the one that make the headline. So you might be familiar with the stop, drop, and roll. That's one of the, an example of the drills that we utilize to around, you know, um, ways that we are able to address fire hazards, for example. So we want to reassure and take this opportunity to reassure you, students, and also families that we are able to effectively respond, deploy resources, and support our students and families. Next slide, please. I want to also briefly talk a little bit about our emergency response. It is um, based on a framework called the National Incident Management System, NIMS, which guides all levels of government, non-governmental organizations and private sector to move together and work together to prevent, protect against, mitigate, and respond to and recover from any incidents. Um, This includes the work that we do with our partners at SFPD, but also our partners oftentimes at DPH, DCYF. Parallel to this operational framework is the joint information systems or center it's What provides the mechanism to organize, integrate, and coordinate information to ensure timely, accurate, accessible, and consistent messaging across multiple jurisdictions and or disciplines. So this is the structure that we employ when there is an incident that is happening um, at a school or even district wide incident when we plan around things like earthquake um, preparedness. Right. Um, That this information system is the one that we employ and utilize to notify families when there is something that might be happening at a school or to be able to really engage in coordinated planning and information sharing gathering with our city partners to ensure that those who are impacted have the resources and supports that they need. Um, It allows us to effectively coordinate internally internally with our staff and externally with city partners and communicate with families and stakeholders alike. Next slide, please. I want to also share with you the model for how we operationalize, um, sorry to be redundant, the emergency operation center, which is implemented at the onset of an incident. Effective coordination across the entire district between central offices and school sites allow us to effectively address incidents when they happen. This is the structure that gets activated when there is an emergency at school. So for example, when there is a lockout or a lockdown, um, these are the protocols, and this is the structure that gets activated um, to address safety issues at our school. Um, we have successfully diffused potential danger um, and you know we want to really highlight the fact that this is an ongoing structure that continues to be employed until an incident is comes to a close and that is a determination that oftentimes we make in partnership with SFPD um, so and and it allows for us to follow pro- proper protocols to address and de-escalate and also communicate effectively uh, with parents and families and anyone who is impacted at the onset of an incident. next slide. So I, I've talked about the structure. I've talked about sort of the framework. Um, the, on this slide, what you see are the twelve to thirteen scenarios that trigger the specific protocols associated with each scenario at a school. So we have highlighted three, which is a lockout, a lockdown, um, and uh, you know we have also heard, Uh, and receive threats that we have categorized as terrorist threats. Within the school year, we provided some um, numeration of the the aggregates of these incidents. Um, I just wanna sort of say that, you know, for the ones that have been highlighted, these are the scenarios that get triggered, for example, when there is a firearm on on campus, or if there is, you know, an escalated incident. Um, Oftentimes the school would go into a lock out, which is to make sure that nobody comes into the building. And I think a lockdown, which is, you know, um, being able to kind of make sure that nobody gets out either. Um, So we take all threats of violence against the school site or the district very seriously. When a threat of violence is made against the school site or the district, such as in the event um, of an active shooter threat, we follow all protocols in order to respond to the threat. And these protocols can all be found in the site safety plan that connects to the district safety plan. Next slide is um, some of the information that you all have requested in relation to campus security. This matrix uh, represents uh, the four key areas that, you know, goes into um, the security matrix, the site security matrix. The facilities division is finalizing this matrix, and it features these four security features, security lock sets, security camera PA, PA systems, and the iPhone systems, which is also what we um, know as electronic door buzzers. Um, The data that has been found in this matrix will continue to inform facilities improvement projects associated with the four uh, features mentioned above. I just want to quickly touch on each one of them. Um, Around locked, I did want to highlight that in order to best protect students and staff, it is not our practice to share site level disaggregated data in terms of which school site might not have a lot quite yet but we are very much committed to the implementation which means that you know we are very um, diligently working to implement um, the installation of security locks set, sets which are being staggered um, since It has been rolling out in, um, I believe, September 21st, 2022. Um, 90% of our school classrooms have these security lock sets. So we are 90% completion completion in relation to the installation of the lock sets. We are projected to complete this um, project by spring 2024, and we'd be happy to share any updates as we progress. Around PA systems, this is the next large project that will commerce um, And we are engaging in uh, site level assessment and ground truthing. And we will be prioritizing high schools and middle schools for um, the installation of uh, public announcement systems. Uh, It is important to note that every school does have a PA system. They might not be modernized, they might need to be modernized in order to meet the standards that we have set fourth, which is what the assessment is meant to do. And um, given the sort of um, scale, right, of the number of schools, the number of PA systems, we are staggering installation. Um, you have asked um, around um, estimate cost for PA systems, each PA system costs an average of $500,000. And this um, cost may fluctuate based on scope and specifications at each school. So each school site, each campus is different. So we we just want to make sure that you understand um, the sort of intricacies that go into the implementation of of the, the PA systems. Next, in relation to security cameras, um, we are conducting in this process an audit of our security systems across school sites. Um, This includes both servers and cameras being replaced or repaired to get systems in the best working conditions possible. Um, Lastly, around electronic door buzzers, um, we we are also conducting an assessment of this. Uh, The process for installing these uh, is very much similar to the PA system. Once the assessment has been completed, we will create a list of priority sites. um, And upon the review of design packages and cost estimates that will get drawn out, Um, the project manager in SFUSD will determine how to put out a bid for construction, which is why, because of the specificities associated with each one of these um, features, we do not have um, an estimate cost. And because this is um, still undergoing the assessment phase, we don't have an implementation schedule quite yet, but we'd be happy to keep you posted as we progress. Uh, Lastly, I did want to make a quick note associated with funding. Currently funding is in place to install security lock sets at school sites uh, where they are needed. We do need additional funding to ensure that all school sites have PA systems, remote door access for high traffic entry points and the wholesale upgrades and replacement of security cameras and servers. We do prioritize safe and secure schools um, in our capital planning. Our facilities master plan was just passed at the last board meeting. Um, on May 9th and this has been an era that's been identified for acceleration. So again, happy to keep you posted as we go next slide so the last piece um, before i wrap up is talking a little bit about the coordination with our partners at sfpd as you might be aware in 2020 the sf board of education voted to not renew our memorandum of understanding with sfpd and with the non-renewal school resource officer programs jointly funded by sfpd was discontinued and at this time we have not renewed the mou between the district and sfpd however Um, I did want to point out that Mr. Markwith, Director of Planning, Preparedness and Prevention for SFUSD and also um, Mr. Eric Guthers, who's here today, who um, has been working for a very long time um, and, you know, very closely with our high schools and with our city partners, um, continue to liaise and work with um, different city departments and, and very much with SFPD and uh, Mr. Markwith serves as the liaison between SFPD and the school district. There's a weekly meeting that he attends with designees from the police department and the community engagement division, as well as uh, from our instructional side of the house, central administrators who oversee schools. So the purpose of these meetings is to consult one another about particular incidents, as well as to maintain a direct line of communication. This space is used to ensure that a that students' rights are being observed and so that if there are any concerns that come up, they can be addressed in a collaborative manner. During non-emergency times throughout the week, um, central administrators, assistant superintendents and directors are also able to consult with SFPD designees and from the Community Engagement Division. Um, In light of the recent incidents, I know that school sites have been working specifically with precinct captains. Um, to host community town halls to put some of the concerns at ease and so we really do appreciate over the last two years the guidance and feedback on the creation of safety protocols at our schools and how to respond to incidents um, that SFPD has provided and you know we we definitely want to make sure that we're able to you know engage um, with our partners on an ongoing manner so. Uh, hopefully this is a good segue um, and and build up to the next portion, um, and that concludes our presentation. We're here to answer any additional questions.
1: Great, thank you so much, Hong Mei, for presenting to us today. Um, so, commissioners, if you guys have any questions now, please be sure to write them down, um, and we'll take them in about fifteen minutes after SFPD presents. Um, but okay, so our next presenter. Um, I'll pass it off to Vice Chair Barker Plummer to introduce.
7: Thank you. Um, I'd like to now welcome Aaron Perra, SFPD acting commander and Delia Montiel, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, um, the community violence intervention coordinator with SFPD policy and public affairs. um, And they'll be presenting on behalf of the San Francisco Police Department.
1: So yeah, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, You can begin whenever you're ready. Like the last presentation, you'll have 15 minutes um, and we'll have to cut you off after 15 minutes. um, And again, we'll take all questions at the end. So yeah, feel free to start whenever you're ready.
9: Okay. Well, good evening, commissioners. Uh, Thanks for including us tonight. Uh, My name is Aaron. I'm the acting commander of the community engagement division. I'm joined by Delia Montiel. Uh, She's the community violence intervention coordinator and as we're going to be presenting on the resource and safety plans to address youth safety and school violence. So uh, we talked a little bit, it sounds like it was talked a little bit and you have background on the the MOU and how the department used to work on it, but I'll just go over it again. So uh, back in 2020, the San Francisco Unified School District elected not to renew the um, Memorandum of Understanding with the San Francisco Police Department, which resulted in the disbanding of the school resource officer program. So prior to disbanding, each station had a school resource officer assigned to the schools within their districts, and and the, these officers uh, would basically work with the school on a daily basis. You know, they'd build a relationship with the school, and if there's any calls for service, they would be the ones that would handle it. So now we're, where we're at now is, is that there's, there's no school resource officers, so if a call for service comes out, it's a responsibility of the school to contact our DEM or Department of Emergency Management. Mm-hmm that's like the 911 or the non-emergency number, and then we will re- immediately respond out. And of course, if it's a, an emergency, like an active attacker or something like that, you know, it's elevated, and we understand there's a school involved, so we're going to head right out there. Uh, with these changes also, we also have new protocols and procedures that we're bound by uh, when we go on to uh, unified school district grounds. This will be the next slide down. So our relationship with the school is good. Um, I would say that uh, if there's and something that needs to be done from a, a school level, it's really their responsibility to make sure that they reach out. Like I said, uh, if it's an emergency or a non-emergency, they call for service. But if they're having problems um, on the property and they just, it's something besides a call for service, they really need to work with the district captain on that. So that would be their responsibility to reach out to the captain. Um, for the reason I'm here, as was spoken earlier, is is that our unit is the liaison with the police department to the Unified School District. And I work with Gray uh, Markwith, who's the Director of Emergency Planning Prep- Preparedness and Prevention Facilities Division. And I also work with uh, Eric Guthards, who's the Director of the high schools. So we, we meet regularly, it's usually on Mondays. Actually, my partner does it now, I used to do it all the time, but, uh, and we just talk about anything that may have come up during the course of a week um, that we need to kind of get better understanding on. So, um, also, besides that, we're available to each other twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. We have each other's phone call. We have phone numbers, so if something comes up, we could always talk to each other. Ready for the next slide? Thank you. So, as far as the police department, we're trained um, pretty extensively when it comes to safety threats in schools, or really, when we're talking about things like this, it's not just schools. It could be any public building. Okay, so. Uh, Two of the trainings that we have, they're pretty much the same thing, but one's more involved. They're both active, active attacker, and the other one's active shooter, violent intruder. And both of, them, both of these classes officers take, it's the best practices deployed for critical incidents and for something like an active attacker or something like that. Other classes that we take are critical mindset coordinating response, and that teaches officers how to deescalate a situation so they can hopefully talk somebody down and maybe persuade them to be less violent. Uh, we have crisis intervention training. So if you see anybody that wears one of these pins, that's the training that they would have had. That's what it stands for. And that basically uh, allows officers to recognize if someone might be uh, mentally ill or be maybe under the influence of uh, alcohol or drugs. And then maybe it gives us a little bit of an idea of insight of how we might be able to handle that situation even a little bit differently. And then the, another training that we have, it's called, um, it's train the trainer, and that's, that's by our tactical team. So that's like the SWAT team. And what they do is they go to each station. Uh, Each captain has a a captain staff. There's a group of people that works with the captain and they get trained on like the tactics on a critical incident. And the whole purpose of this is so that if someone from the community needs training on something like this, like a school or a business, these individuals can go out and train the community on best procedures in case there's an incident that happens in in their business or school. Ready for the next slide? so um this safety threat at a school it's that's that can be a lot of different things i, I looked it up in the dictionary because it's not something that i i hear a lot um but i know what you're kind of getting at so it's an actor or condition that has the capacity to seriously harm any child okay so when you're talking about and i think what we're kind of talking about is an active attacker and um and we're kind of getting away from the active shooter thing too because um someone can be an active attacker and they can use a bat or a knife or their fists and they can hurt a lot of people. Um, but it's still a threat, but when people are doing this, they're, um, they're interested in hurting people. Their, their motive is not like a robbery or a burglary where they're the goal is to get a wallet or a watch or a car. They're interested in just hurting, harming people. So, um, I'll give you two examples of something that might be considered a, a, um, a safety threat one would be a maybe a bomb a suspicious device that's found on a, a school or a building so if we had a something in here that we saw that that we believe was a bomb uh, first thing we do that we'd be called out obviously and then the next thing we do is we'd isolate the area and we'd evacuate and the way we'd evacuate we'd evacuate up down side to side front and back and then after that what we do is we have our bomb techs come in and they'd render the device safe. And then there'd be follow up on that as far as an investigation and, you know, looking at cameras to see what was going on, if who brought it in and all that, but I'll get back to the active attacker. So basically, when we get called out to something like this, especially um, when it comes to a school, we will continue to send units over there. It will be nonstop. They'll just keep on sending units over there. First responding officers will show up, um, they'll be keeping their eyes and ears open. Is there any merit to this first? They're gonna treat everything with merit, but they gotta see it. People running from the scene, what do they hear? If they hear shots fired, let's say. They're gonna team up as a group, and they're gonna go in and they're gonna take the threat out. So when they go in and they have to do this, there may be people that might be wounded or hurt. That first team is not interested in um,
0: necessarily evacuating or rendering any aid. Their mission is to stop the threat. And then the following officers that respond out, they will be the ones that will help
9: evacuate, and they will be the ones that will help uh, render aid if necessary. Okay. next slide, please. So what should you do when law enforcement arrive? Okay. Well, uh, if you know where this person is, I mean, there's not necessarily something that might be apparent to to somebody that's arriving on the scene, but you might know it. Point out to the officers. Person's on the second floor. I saw them using a knife to hurt people, or whatever it is. But in all these in these situations, you got to remain calm. Follow the instructions. I know that's easier said than done. Uh, do not run or grab onto the officers. Put down any items in your hands, like bags or jackets. You're likely to be told to uh, evacuate with your hands up. Make sure your hands are raised and your fingers are spread, nice and wide, and keep your hands visible at all times. And don't don't you can't really talk to the officers. We, um, they're here to, they're, they're, they, they don't have time to be talking. Their mission is to evacu- have you evacuate and their attention is gonna to be towards taking the threat out. Next slide please. So what happens after an incident like this? Um, usually what we do is we have everybody in a unif- reunification area. And the reason we do that is we kind of corral everybody so that we can know everybody's accounted for, you know? So some people weren't wandering off, and like, where do they go? So so we ask that you cooperate with that. If it's a a situation like we're gonna say an active attacker, this is a big deal. We're gonna need to get information from what you saw, what happened. Uh, It's a crime scene, you know, that you witnessed or that you were a part of. Uh, It's okay to call your family, um, tell them what's going on, how you're doing but we ask that you avoid making any contact with the media or posting anything on the social media because this could be problematic in officer safety for, uh, for the officers that are still in the, in the, in the building or other, other students or people that are in the building. They might get an unfair advantage by the people that are monitoring this, like the bad guy. I'm gonna turn this over to uh, the coordinator right now. She's explaining these are other resources that we have available. This next slide here, um, after an incident like this.
4: Good evening, commissioners. Thank you for having me today. Um, In 2012, Mayor Ed Lee launched the Interrupt, Predict and Organize initiative to reduce violence, crime in San Francisco. Spearheaded through the mayor's office, the initiative focused on deterring street violence, providing alternative life paths to at-risk youth through a coordination and collaboration of city departments community-based and faith-based organizations the initiative included a coordinating body which became known as the street violence response team as part of that initiative it also included a street outreach component a crisis services component and an employment opportunity component The the initiative that originally started in 2012 garnered local and broad recognition throughout the United States. Components of the initiative were transitioned to key departments to carry on its very important work with the understanding that the partnerships remain in place. In 2018, the San Francisco Police Department acquired the coordinating aspect of the initiative the Street Violence Response Team, or SBRT, as it's become known, whose purpose was to coordinate and plan an effective response to street violence and critical incidents throughout the city in order to provide wraparound services to those impacted. The Street Violence Response Team, or SBRT, meets weekly to assess, strategize, and collaborate on a response to those most impacted, their families and the community. As you can see, we focused on, and as you heard, as a running theme of many of the conversations you heard with safety is a deep collaboration of city departments and community-based organizations. And I would just, I know it's kind of small on the screen, but uh, I wanted to highlight a few of the city departments that are within Um, membership and partnership of the SVRT team Um, I will highlight just a few on the each one of the categories but as far as city departments you'll note that the San Francisco Unified School District comes to our meeting right who's here today um, attends the SVRT meeting um, to bring us information very important information for this part of the collaboration We also have a representative from the mayor's office, the mayor's office public safety, um, who also works with uh, the team to kind of bring city department or the mayor's perspective on safety. Um, And a number of other agencies, and again, I won't go through all of them, but as you know, we have different categories. So we have city agencies, we have Law enforcement, we have community-based, and in the law enforcement, of course, being the San Francisco Police Department, the DA's office, and adult and juvenile probation come to the table. Um, The community-based organizations, you will know, we have our street violence intervention um, partners, and uh, CYC, who some of you may be familiar with as part of the membership as well. The community youth center comes to the meeting, especially um, since we're, this is what we're here talking about, in the recent incidences, they've come to the table to also help share that information. And of course, our faith-based partners. Each one of these partners play a key role in our city response and continues to be an active process within the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you, and I'll turn it back over to the commander for the rest of the presentation.
9: Thanks, Yeah. Okay, I think I have one more slide here. There it is. I don't know what that is, but attack. Um, So uh, this is 10 years worth of data from 2013 to 2023 regarding crimes in and around school campuses. And um, I think it's important to keep in mind that from 2019 to about 2021, there is the COVID thing going on. So that might skew some of the numbers there.
0: That's all I have, um, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer any.
1: Yeah, so um, thank you both so much for being here with us this evening. Um, so now we're gonna take questions from commissioners, but I think it's a good idea to start with either Vice Chair Parker Plummer or Commissioner Utting because they called the hearing. Um, so I'll pass it off to Vice Chair Parker Plummer to start off with your questions and then we're gonna go down the line.
7: Thank you. Um, my first question uh, is for both SFPD and um, SFUSD. So I understand that the current, that the memorandum of understanding that was between SFPD and SFUSD, was that, my first question is, was that specifically for a school resource officer program or did that include other um, areas of policy understanding?
9: I mean, my understanding, it was for both. So it talked about school resource officers, but also just our relationship with the schools and how we work with them. I
7: guess one of my, my concerns is, I, I think I said this at the beginning, I don't think we should
9: really be putting
7: police officers back in school as a you know day-to-day basis. I do want to make sure that there is a consistent understanding between both SFUSD and SFPD, both to protect students, to make sure that you know maybe there needs to be extra precaution taken by... SFPD officers when they're on school grounds and dealing with minors. Um, Obviously you all have your own procedures for that, but it might be good for both SFUSD and SFPD to have the same understanding and have that in a legal document. Another thing is like, what does information sharing look like between SFUSD and SFPD? Do you guys have like floor plans of schools in the case that you need to respond to an emergency? So I'm wondering if I could get both your perspective as well as um, SFPD's perspective on if you think an MOU
9: would increase um, the,
7: the, the productivity of your relationship and
9: if there are any barriers that not having an MOU has created. Well, I always think that when you you know lay everything out and you have it in writing and you talk about what the problems are, it's always better to do that. So I, th- I think an MOU is a great idea, yeah.
8: Commander. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of clarify that there is nothing currently that prohibits partnership and collaboration mm-hmm. um, when an incident happens. So just because the MOU is not in place does not mean that we're not actively, obviously, partnering um, with the police department to address any safety threats that might occur at school. Um, I also believe that as part of the working group, Mr. Markwith um, has has a set of working guidelines and principles um, in place. Would you like to sure. share on that?
10: Um, thank, thank you all again for having us. We really appreciate it, and thanks for the dialogue that we've been having. Um, you know, I think oh, I think Hung made made a great point, which is in the absence of, of the MOU, um, we still work with police on a daily basis. Captain Para and I work really closely together. I have my weekly meetings with um, prior to Captain Para, it was um, several other folks, and now it's a different captain. Um, and as far as in my opinion, what I would say is, you know, when I came into this role in just, uh, excuse me, January of 2021, you know, we didn't have the MOU, the MOU was was gone. And so there was actually a moment where we had an opportunity to sort of reimagine how we work with SFPD um, as far as the district goes um, and hence, you know, these these weekly liaison meetings and it's not just the weekly m- meetings, but it's the um, daily sometimes daily conversations several different times a day where I'm speaking with the captain, other officers, um, but not only that, but supporting investigators and supporting sergeants and anybody who's involved with our school, making sure. Honestly, my I was a site principal for 12 years at, at a high school. And so my biggest. Concern or the thing that I'm most most working towards is making sure our students rights are observed and then our students and our schools are being, um you know engage with in a way where 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 students rights are being observed and and to be perfectly honest that's always been the stance of SSPD Mm -hmm. um and and they have so many things in place um that make sure students rights are being observed um and so I, I I feel very proud of the work that we've done over the last two and a half years and look forward to continuing that work so
7: thank you
1: Did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask now?
7: No, I'll just say, you know, I think that this is definitely an area that it's worth us looking into and exploring. Um, I don't think that we should have the same MOU that we did in 2020 and previous, especially considering that it feels like everything is different from 2020. But um, I do think it's I think, like um, the captain said, it's worth having things in writing. And even if that was just whatever sort of standing agreements you have, it might be worth exploring that. So. That's just something that I would encourage looking into. I'm not saying that we should or we shouldn't, but you know, and let us know at the Youth Commission if you want feedback on that, especially when it comes to protecting the rights of students. Like I, I, I agree with you that that needs to be a, a top priority in those discussions.
1: Awesome, thank you. Um, so we're gonna go down the line this way. My question is just, I just want a little bit more clarity on like the background context to why you guys chose to not continue the school like resource officer program. So from my understanding, each school had one resource officer and they would build relationships with like the administrators at those schools. Um, I'm wondering like how effective that program was in comparison to like just having SFPD on call, whatever. Um, So like what do you guys like see any effective changes to having one school resource officer versus just having SFPD on call, whatever?
3: I can jump in for a second. Okay, Um, awesome. Thank you. For the record, my name is Eric Guthertz and uh, G U T H E R T Z, um, and I am the director of high schools. Formerly, I was the principal of Mission High School uh, for over a decade as well. Um, So, just to clear up a little misunderstanding there, um, in the last several years prior to the uh, the the moving away from the MOU, uh, we did not have individual SROs at every every site. There was a group of SROs that then were clustered to mm-hmm. schools. So, for example, admission, Everett and uh Mann, we shared the same SRO more or less. And then if that SRO was off, then another one would come. So they weren't actually embedded at the campus. They would come to the campus regularly. Mm-hmm. Way back in the day, we did have that, but that shifted over time. And I think some of that had to do with funding, not necessarily from SFUSD, uh, but actually from SFPD. Um, so I, I do think that there's a couple of things that happened. One is the SRO program went away uh, partly from the MOU and I also think partly from funding as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of the MOU itself, that happened under the former board. SF, uh, the, so the, this is all, the, the MOUs have to come from the, the, the Board of Education and so, that board, uh, prior to this new new configuration, opted to um, dis, uh, to abolish or get rid of the the MOU. Uh, I think this was in the wake of a lot of things that were happening. We were in COVID, also the George Floyd incident, things like that. So that is where that initially uh, took place. Um, and I do know that at some level, there's still conversations about what might be uh, coming up the pike, but that's beyond our level here.
1: Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I know you can't really speak for the SFUSD Board of Education, um, but if anyone could like provide more clarity on why they chose to switch over or like disband that MOU. Um, if not, that's a question we can look into later, too, but.
3: I mean, I think it's complicated, but I do think that it, it had to do with that moment, and I think that there was a, a, a very strong community sense of wanting to make sure we weren't putting students in harm's way and again i'm not going to make a judgment about that we have a very strong and and really positive relationship with sfpd Mm -hmm. but at the board level i think it uh, became um uh, a decision based on a lot of community input
1: okay thank you so much um i'll pass it off to commissioner ating
6: Thank you. I have a question for SFUSD. I was wondering if you could elaborate on the timeline for installing and updating PA systems and also security camera systems and electronic door buzzers, Um, specifically an estimate of the amount of time it will take for all of those to be fully implemented in all of the schools.
10: So I heard, um, I heard, uh, Timeline for security locks PA systems and a phones currently we're working on the security lock um, the security lock systems at the sites that don't have them right now um, the completion timeline. It's looking spring of 2024. where all all sites. will have them done. Um, there's about 15. There are 15 sites um, that are being worked on currently, and they're going in groupings or different packages um, uh, is what they're called. So we have. Group of schools now, group of schools next, and so on and so forth through January, February 2024. Um, PA systems are in process right now. We finished all of our assessments right now. And so after the assessments come in, now we're, do, you know, we're, we're strategizing in terms of um, sort of uh, what sites are going first. And it's, you know, we have, we can't do all at once. It needs to go in a particular order. Um, I, I can't give you a I I I think I would be, um, I don't think it would be. Um, I I don't know if irresponsible is the word, but I I can't give you a a, um, effective timeline right now in terms of, uh, you know, when these things will be done. You know, we've selected um, we're we're about to select a few to start um, working on, but there's um, almost 40 sites Um, and so that need to be modernized, extended. Um, and so there's, um, or you know, or, or interim fix until the next bond project. So there's there's a lot of sort of different things at play, especially with the PA system. So it's a lot more complicated than the A-phone systems. Um, A-phones is we're just starting assessments Monday. Um, and when, just so you all know, when I say A-phone, I mean video doorbells. So it's like you ring the doorbell, somebody sees your picture, then they buzz you in. Um, those are less complicated of systems to install. Um, we've got 8 different groups of schools that are being assessed over the next month or so. Um, and then once the assessment come back, we're actually doing a lot quicker with bids. So, I, I'm, I'm not gonna guess, but it's gonna probably happen sooner than the PA systems to be honest. Um, and then a the majority of the sites that, um. Well, I think we're gonna, um, given what Hong was talking about earlier, you know, we, we do try to keep. We don't like to say which schools don't have them or which do but what I will say is the majority of the sites that do have them right now are elementary schools and and lower grades um and so we're working on that and so I don't know if that answers your question but a phones are going to happen I think a lot sooner and quicker than pa systems especially because we have bond money earmarked for the a phone systems
6: thank you I do kind of have a follow-up it sounds like there's a lot to be done and I I do understand that I'm just wondering if there's anything any support that you would need to speed up the process like it sounds to me like for some of the um school safety infrastructure it's the budget is dependent on the passage of the next general bond um Um, and i'm just i'm just wondering what what can be done to speed up those processes
10: uh i mean the general bond is it's going to be on the ballot and then once if it passes hopefully it passes you know it's going to take some time to actually do that work you know um i think what i will say is that I, like I said, I was a teacher and then a principal for a long time and at school sites, you know, I wanted something done right then, like, you know, this is really important to me. I need it done. I need money. I need this done. And now that I'm in facilities for the last year now, um, I realized that thing, you know, things take a longer um, than I, um, than I realized. Um, with that being said, you know, I was just talking with Mr. Mr. Guthertz, um earlier, and it's like, uh, how do I put this? Um, you know, the, the process has started and because we're a public entity, we're beholden to a particular process, especially like public bidding, things like that board meetings need to, you know, things need to be approved in terms of the contracts and the, um, the proposals and things like that. So I, I, I don't know that there's anything that, you know, because we're doing it, you know, the process has started and I wish it was faster, um, but this is, you know, this is the kind of process that we have and that exists in this public system.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Utting. I'll pass it off to Commissioner Listana, but I know you had another event scheduled for six, right? Yes, Um, thank you so much for your presentation, but fortunately I
6: do have another event to go
1: to. Yeah, go ahead. So I'll be taking a personal point of privilege and leaving. Thank you, yeah, thanks Commissioner Listana. I'll pass it off to Commissioner Terrell, if you have any questions.
3: Uh, I do not have a question.
1: Okay, Commissioner Adair.
7: I guess this is to be great, if, uh, Captain Burr, for the SFTPD. I guess just getting more clarity about the, um,
6: about like the history of your responses to active school threats, like
7: how often do situations occur, if at all, where the SFTPD is getting, you know, calls such as, you know, the, the situation that you outlined where there's like a, a reasonable risk that there could be someone on campus?
9: Uh, I can't speak to exactly. I mean, I just know from my time on the street, those things come in. Most of the time, there's no merit to them. So, um, but I don't, I don't have the stats on that. And and, and like, just as a quick follow up,
7: when, when officers do get sent to a school and it turns out that there isn't, a, like, a, there isn't really a, a, a credible threat in the way that maybe they thought when they got called, like, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the procedure there?
9: when there's a credible threat and there's not a credible threat oh uh we'll take a report and follow up I mean you never know sometimes these are tasks too you know depending on what's going on we'll have to look into and see exactly how the threat came in uh we'll talk with you know my partners over there at San Francisco Unified School District and see what their opinion is has it been any other schools that we just didn't get reported just because it not every reports these things for every school necessarily you know like or because it may have not hit the level that they felt it needed to be reported you know okay. Is
11: there
9: anything else? Nope. OK.
12: Hello, I have a few questions. Um, I guess my first question is, I, I think tonight we focused um, a lot on like, you know, collaboration with SFPD. But something I'm really interested in is addressing, you know, like the root causes of this violence. You know, what are people's, you know, mental health, you know, struggles, you know, issues at home, you know, or like conflicts that they have in their communities or such that are you know, influencing this. So I'm really curious, I know um, in your presentation you touched a little bit on like wellness centers and expanding those to middle schools. You know, like what other initiatives, or like it was mentioned in the SFPD presentation that like um, community youth centers is like um, a partner in this. But I'm really curious to hear um, more insight about how SFUSD is working or um, uh, you know, commu- you're working with community partners to prevent you know, these issues from occurring
3: in the first place. I, I appreciate the question. I think it's spot on. I think that's exactly what, what we should be. Doing. In addition, to all this other stuff, I think, I think the root cause is, is critical. And I do think that coming back from COVID, we're seeing an increase in all sorts of issues, right? I think uh, housing insecurity, food insecurity, um, uh, psychological trauma, uh, um, just uh, uh, suicidal ideation. I mean, I I could go on. And then sometimes it expresses itself in violence as well, right? And in bullying and fighting and things like that. So a couple of things that come to mind quickly. I think number one, I think the wellness centers are critical. And so I think the fact that we're expanding those is is key. And I um, and I think Really, it is a model that we have in San Francisco with partnership with DPH and DCYF to have wellness centers at every high school now moving towards uh, having them at the, at the middle school level as well so is very important. And then working with those partners coll- collaborative and collectively, and that includes not just internal folks from the district that work there, but also many, many, many CBO partners. Um, two things that really stand out to me, though, in this question, one is we've currently for the last two years, we've presented recently uh, to the board as well around this partnership between DCOIF, SDIP, Juvenile uh, Probation, and many uh, CBO partners, including uh, CYC, um, YCD, and SE uh, uh, DC. Um, this this. Group that we convene twice weekly to literally map out all the issues that are happening both in the community for youth and in schools for youth and then have plans of action for every one of those incidents so that might be meeting with students to mediate it might be going to homes to talk to families it literally is interrupting issues that could rise to the level of gun violence Um, and then trying to connect families and students that as we do this mediation work it comes up that we know that oh they don't they need a place to live they need food they need they need uh, dph support able to connect them with a wide wide range of city partners so that's been very uh, positive and i think we're going to continue growing that and then the other thing i'd like to say is we are as a district is very active in working with the state to get the community school grants going for various schools and we're getting another level of, of schools coming in on, on, the board, on, the, uh, on the docket soon. So that means that schools, uh, some schools have applied and access these community school grants, which allow to create this sort of like holistic, sort of the guardrail that we talk about of serving the whole child, that those community school grants will help that with the community school coordinator, increased access to mental health services, increased access to CBO partners, to try to make the school really that center of that sort of um, whole child, or whole young adult uh, sensibility. So thank you for the question, because I think it's, it's right.
12: Yeah, thank you so much, um, really appreciate that. And I, I think, you know, like school, it's, it's where children are, you know, so much of the time us as young people. So it's really important and I'm glad to hear that there's work on, you know, expanding and, you know, the existing services that are there. So that's really great to hear. I guess my other question is, we received um, a public comment via email and, um, you know, it it actually kind of struck home for me because this was my um sixth grade science teacher who actually wrote in, and he was talking about like a situation, and he was after there was violence in his classroom or like against him, um, he was forced to take his own you know personal time off, you know, at, before he was eventually you know transferred to a different school site. um And I'm just curious, you know what what support is in place for, you know, teachers, school staff, and, you know, students who are, you know, who do face, you know, maybe it's not, you know, a school shooting, it doesn't rise to that level, but they, they still feel unsafe at school.
3: I mean, I think it's a great question. I can't speak to the specifics of the, of the story you're, you're telling, but it does it does ring true for me. It resonates. I think for teachers, one of the things, and staff too, not, the the whole community at the school. I think that a lot of sites are really trying to figure out how to support teachers with their wellness and their and their mental health as well. I know that several schools are doing. I just saw one school is doing a massage day, doing a therapy day. Um, I know that a lot of the schools have implemented um, mindfulness for both teachers and students, and so. I also really believe that the wellness centers are places where our, our staff can go as well and get support. And then I believe, you know, and then our, our site leaders are also trained and are, you know, are, are have generally a sensibility to really reach out to their staff to make sure they're, they're doing okay. I think one other thing I hear in your comment, though, is this idea of like, how do we restore the harm that's happened when something's happened? And I, you know, a lot of schools still practice restorative practices. It It has been a little less on the forefront as it had been in the past and i do believe there will be a move to to try to bring back training for all sites or more sites around restorative practices so that we can heal situations when they happen uh, quickly rather than letting them fester yeah thank you
12: and i i don't want to take too much time but um one last thing i guess i'm curious about is we talked kind of like about the police like element of security as well as the infrastructure but I know SFUSD also employs like security aides. I think they're called throughout different schools. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, like how does how do you see them as a component um, in you know addressing some of like the issues around violence at school? Because something that happened recently at at my school, Lowell, is they've been shifted to kind of like checking IDs at like the perimeter of the school, but we're kind of lacking now that presence throughout the you know school grounds so when there's incidents in the hallway or like throughout campus they're not really there and i'm, I'm just curious what like the the strategy is
3: yeah it's a great question i think that um we call them t10s and uh, and i think that um you know at lowell you're right that they've really had to shift their their attention i do think that once that gets kind of moving that'll shift again where they can go back to their their work and unfortunately We have seen a shortage in T10s across the district, so that that is real. I I don't want to pretend it's not, because it is. Um, I do believe that moving forward, and I was just talking about some folks, there are plans for uh, deeper trainings with our T10s around de-escalation strategies, around community building strategies, and really being more part of the um, the sort of well-being of the the student uh, collectively. One of the pieces that's coming out of the partnership I mentioned with DCYF and SDIP is actually increased trainings that will involve T10s along with, I didn't mention this, but we have a whole crew now, I think there's 10 at this moment, of what we call VIs, violence interrupters, and these are folks from various CBO communities that now come into the schools and support sort of de-escalation strategies, and so the idea is to try to mirror that with the T10s as well. I believe we'll see more of that in the beginning of next year. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
1: Commissioner Hillman? All
3: right.
0: Um,
7: so this question is for both SFUSD and SFPD. So, you know, would a new MOU help in ensuring fast um, fast and, ensure and effective safety emergency management?
1: What was the last word? Oh, my fault.
0: Okay.
7: So the question is, would a new MOU help in ensuring fast and effective safety emergency management?
13: Yeah, I'm sure I take that one.
8: Thank you, Commissioner Hillman, for your question. Um, I think just to maybe set the sort of stage, we, we do currently have emergency protocols in place to address and be able to effectively and quickly respond uh, to incidents. So I think to your question associated with an MOU, um, the specifics associated with the MOU, that would be something that we would need to figure out if if that were to be put in place. And I think a lot of this is contingent on um, the Board of Education initiating um, this sort of bringing back of the MOU. Um, I would say that in the absence of an MOU, which is the status quo that we're operating in, um, we are very much in coordination, in lockstep with SFPD to ensure that our school sites are safe, that our students are safe, and that our staff are safe. All right, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Wall. So my question
6: is with um, regards to post-incident work. So um, after there's a safety threat at an SFUSD school and um, SFPD responds to it, how do both SFUSD and SFPD account for this safety threat?
0: And what are the measures taken afterwards look like? So that's a good, great question.
10: Um, Hong-Mei spoke to this briefly, but when there's an incident that occurs, one of, uh, excuse me, 13 different incidents, that requires us to open what we call virtual EOC, which is basically a G-chat with um, different people, depending on the incident, where I'm the incident, uh, uh, excuse me, the EOC director. And then depending on the incident, there might be a, you know, depending on the incident, it might be a different incident commander that's out of the sites. Um, once we start that G chat, I'm directing everybody in terms of like resources go here. They need this. They need that. And part of that process is, um, you know, towards the end when we when we realize the incident sort of coming to a close, um, we set up time with the. Um, with the principal site leader, whoever else at the site to do a debrief. Um, and while this is also happening, um, I alert the crisis response team, um, in student family services division and I let uh, the folks who, who lead that team. Hey, this is going on right now in the moment please reach out to the wellness center coordinator, please reach out to the social worker, please reach out to the nurse, whatever. And so they can start that conversation because a lot of times that what looks like what that looks like is depending on the incident. They might have um, more social workers go out. They might, you know, set up for time for um, um, space for students to, to talk to somebody again, depending on what it is. Um, but then we also do the the debrief. Um, and that's for me to 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 figure out, you know, could we have done it better? Could we have done it differently? That's Sort of thing. Could we have responded in a better way? Um, but it's also to make sure that um, the site leaders also sort of get what they need in terms of, hey, let's talk through this, because, you know, this is, it's it's an emotional thing for a lot of different folks, especially, you know, like, thinking about those at the site. Um, I think, you know, and and um, um, Captain Perry can speak to this, but You know, I I think uh, some of the larger incidents that um, really involve the police, uh, a a large police response, you know, we do take those Monday meetings as a time to debrief with the captain and, um, you know, there have been some incidents this year where there was a a significant police presence out of the site. And, you know, because at the end of the day, what I know to be true is this, this alignment of 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 communication and messaging and, and making sure everybody's on the same page is a really way a really good way to reduce trauma too, because if people are getting different information and not the right information, and this is flying here and this is flying there, it 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 really can be um, harmful for the community and, and um, the stakeholders within that community. So do you have any follow-up questions?
1: No, thank you. That was okay. great. Yeah. Thank you. Commissioner Loftus. Uh, this is for SFPD. Do SFPD officers get any
6: specific training in child psychology and specifically what the best practices are for de-escalation
1: with a youth or being a very young child?
9: A very young child. Um,
1: I just, you de-escalate a situation differently if it's in a middle school. You know,
9: school what I'm than trying to think because I've taken the training myself. I, I think they, we did things like scenarios. They'll do scenario-based training on some of this, and there were teens. But I don't know if it was much more than that. Um, I don't know if it was anybody younger than that. So, no, I can't say that it's.
6: There's no best practices for. Oh,
9: for, for kids. Well, or like when are you talking about like teenagers or eighth graders? Well, those are eight, eight people that are eight years old or.
6: I think it would be different for both of those. Yeah.
9: No, for anybody. I, that's what I'm getting at. I think it was mostly young adults. Uh, but younger than that, not too much. No, I can't think of anything that you, you would do too much with with like young kids, like 12 and under. No.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Pimentel.
14: Hello. Um, so my question goes to SFPD. Um, does S- SFPD feel that they have adequate information about SFUSC schools and safety procedures in the case they need to urgently respond to an active
9: threat? So I, I didn't hear part of it. You said, do we have active... It- oh,
14: um, I could just repeat it again. Sure. Um, does SFPD feel that they have adequate information about SFUSD schools and safety procedures in the case they need to urgently respond to an active threat?
9: So I think for, for myself, I do, because I work with this team here, individual captains, those are the ones that are working with the district stations, uh, I mean, district stations working with the individual schools in their district, I, I can't speak for them. I don't know. Um, does that answer your question? Um, not really, but um, we could well, make, we can, respond. I can, we can have more of a dialogue. I'm happy to like, um, are you talking about like, like officers when they go out? Like, I, I guess I would say just, I know that now, cause I worked on patrol before. It, mm-hmm. If you had us, when we had school resource officers, it was a little easier because if we had an incident that happened at a school, mm-hmm. don't take that exit. That one doesn't work. Go there. That's where the principal's office is. things like that. Now, when we go to different schools, we don't have somebody that's assigned to those different school like that. So it makes it a little bit, I would say some of that's a little harder now you know with it they might not have a connection like they did before um does that answer now yes thank you
6: (laughs) commissioner colleen my question is also for SFPD, uh, um, specifically, specifically for Officer Para. You mentioned that you, um, a lot of the offices had a good relationship with the school, with the administration. I'm wondering what the officer's relationship with the students. Um, do they make an effort to like, have conversations, get to know them, make them feel safe besides
5: just like being there standing watching over?
9: Yeah, yeah, they did. A lot of them have really good relationships with them. Um, and some so of these, these kids are, you know, they're- they know their siblings and it's, uh, you're talking about back then and right now, even now. I mean, if you're going to a school, sometimes they're, you have the same players at some of these schools where the same kids are, you know, maybe involved with some of the uh, activities through the police department, like the PAL. So they we might know them from that. Or sometimes some of these kids may get into a couple little problems here and there. So we get to know them that way. So it's not contentious. It's, you know, kids are kids and, you know, we try to build the relationships and, I think there were, seems like a lot of officers, some of them you know, like working with kids more than others. So they're a little bit more engaged with it.
5: So do you think that most kids would feel, feel comfortable and safe with police officers around their schools? Um, I,
9: I, I can't speak to the kids, but I, I, from what I have observed and when I've made contact with the kids, I haven't felt that the kids were put off by me in any way.
1: Thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Commissioner Mirza. Um, I have no questions. Okay. Commissioner Helm.
12: Thank you, Chair and um, my question is for both um, SFPD and SFUSD. Um, what area do you think could be improved in terms of communication and relationship
0: building between the two departments?
10: I mean I, I I I'd start by saying that um, I mean at this point things feel pretty good you know and, and I really truly believe that and and I think it is because of the sort of effort and the work that we've put into opening those lines of communication and I think that um, you know how do I say this uh, I, I think that it, you can only improve communication and I think um, uh, Captain Para, um, you know, sort of responded to one of the questions, I forget who asked it, but um, around the different stations and and, and precincts and, um, you know, one of the things that we really want to do next year and, and something that we're really focusing on for the fall is, you know, one of the things that I remember when I was a principal is my station, my the station that responded to our school when we needed it was Ingleside Station. And at the beginning of the school year Ingleside station captain would invite all the principals there and get to know the captain and get to know folks at the station um, and it's sort of as a way to sort of build community between the school sites and the and the, and the station and so that's one of the things that I'd like to sort of build back into our relationship with SFPD is and and what I will say is i've um, I've suggested sometime principals this year called the the stations and speak with the captain and what i can say is that those captains have been incredibly incredibly responsive to that and so these principals are developing relationships with the captain and so if there is an incident that takes place or there's a question or there needs to be consulta- consultation that relationship already exists and like that's the big thing right like building relationships and keeping the communication um sort of flowing and and i don't know what captain pair would say but um that's i you can only you know improve communication i guess is what i would say
1: Thank you. Commissioner Shaw.
5: Thank you. Um, What I'm wondering is what does education around these protocols and safety procedures look like to ensure
7: students are knowledgeable around these processes? And even more so, how does SFUSD promote
2: its resources such as the Say Something Anonymous app to ensure that students receive the adequate support
4: they need?
8: Um, thank you, Commissioner, for your question. Um, maybe I'll answer your, the second part of your question first in terms of how do we communicate. So part of um, the work that the Communications Department does at SFUSD is to maintain a family announcement bulletin, which goes out to about 60,000 contacts every Thursday, which is cumulative um, sort of uh, you know bulletin of all of the public announcements that Uh, you know, we collect over the course of the week um, to inform families of the different resources that are available to them. And using this channel, um, that is a really big and powerful one. We have included announcements associated with the Say Something Anonymous reporting app. Uh, We have recently, um, you know, up updated the website to be able to provide additional information and promote transparency on how implementation efforts are going um, and also other other resources associated with gun um, violence awareness safety etc to make sure that we have a constant flow of information to families um, in addition to the weekly bulletin we our office also maintains two monthly newsletters um, to families and also to high school students um, more news you can use and we have promoted the similar content in relation to that through these two channels um, and in relation to your question associated with training and protocol i mentioned this in my presentation um, there are routine drills that happen at various school sites as part of you know the effort to ensure that all schools uh, each part of the school community are well-versed and that they are familiar with all these protocols, not just in theory, but in practice as well. Um, And so it's really an opportunity for the school community to come together to practice a lot of the protocols that we have in place associated with each one of the different scenarios um, that we've listed.
12: Thank you.
1: So we're going to do a quick another round of questions in case any people have final questions. Um, I know Commissioner Berger-Plummer had another one, so if you want to start off again.
7: Yeah. Um, So I wanted to follow up on something that I think Commissioner Utting had mentioned, which is the implementation timeline for um, security lock sets, public announcement systems, and um, door buzzers, or I think you call them a- AV systems. Well. A-phone systems. Um, so I'm. I mean... What got me originally interested in this topic before I was a member of the Youth Commission, um, was the issue of Columbine locks or what we refer to them as security lock sets. Um, I believe the original date I heard was that they would be implemented by January of 2022. Um, that date has since passed. It's now January, It's now 2023. Now May of 2023. Um, I also then heard that it was going to be December 2022. Then the end of the school year of 2020 of the 2022 to 2023 school year now and then I heard that it was going to be December of 2023 and I think the last time we spoke that was your position and you seemed pretty confident um, in that and now I'm hearing from you that it's going to be spring of 2023 presumably the end of the school year um did I hear that correctly and what is causing these consistent delays and, and what can we do to rectify that
8: Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, You are absolutely right in terms of your recapping of the genealogy or the implementation timeline. So I think just to maybe provide a couple of contextual sort of um, pieces to frame this conversation, um, we operate a very large number of schools. And when we implement initiatives such as facilities, um, maintenance, or in this case, the installation of lock sets, we have to organize um, the implementation process into work packages. And so um, during the initial rollout of the lock sets, we were able to identify and prioritize certain schools um, as part of the installation. We've identified a certain number of packages. Um, That number has since grown and it has actually grown. There were an additional couple of school sites that were identified as um, needing Uh, The locks and that that is what is uh, we would like to account for those installation in our true implementation timeline, which is why it has been um, expanded uh, to spring 2024. It is not delayed due to the same scope of work, but actually an expanded scope of work. uh, But we wanted to make sure that we were transparent and accounting for that.
7: Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I and thank you for that clarification as well. Um, I do kind of want to I want to push on this a little bit because I think it's important, especially for things like public announcement systems and a phone systems that you have no implementation timeline for at the moment. I would just say that this is really a matter of urgency. Um, We are seeing increased violence at school sites, and we are. I'm concerned about that. I think other commissioners are we talked about that at our last um, meeting. And this really needs to be a priority when it comes to funding and when it comes to um, implementation. So I guess this might be a very simplistic way of putting this question, but what is prohibiting SFUSD from, you know, over this summer, uh, installing all of those locks? I mean, schools are empty for weeks. I guess I'm wondering why can't those be implemented when there are, you know, during that time, it's not like the schools are being used.
8: It's a really good question and definitely not a simplistic one. Um, What is not simplistic, however, is our public contracting systems and also how we have to implement, like I mentioned, um, these initiatives, um, as it relates to capital planning, um, at scale. And so I think that is ultimately the challenges, you know, being able to assess, which is the process that we are engaging in right now, um, to assess what the need is, and what the gaps are, and to be able to actually effectively scope out um, the work and be able to kind of plan for it from a resource Allocation standpoint, this body of work uh, is one that has been identified as a key priority in the facilities master plan, which is. school district's 10-year capital plan for improvements that we want to make to our school facilities and um, the installation of PA systems um, to modernize PA systems is absolutely one of our top priorities that have been identified which is why we're engaging in the process that we are engaging in but of course that process will take some time and because each one of our school sites are beautifully different, Um, we have to account for specificity in terms of scope, in terms of specifications. Um, And so even accounting for there potentially being additional dollars that might emerge from an upcoming bond, um, that planning will take time and the implementation would take time going through public contracting processes, and then the actual rollout itself um, will take some time. As, as much as I would love to be able to, you know, um, see a summer implementation, uh, I think that is definitely something that we have to manage as as a part of the process that we
7: engage in as the school district. Thank you. And then my last question um, is in regards to. I think we talked about this a little bit at the YWAF hearing. <laughs> Um, is in regards to the sharing of safe storage information. My first resolution here on the commission with the support of uh, mom's demand and students demand um, was urging the school district and all San Francisco schools to send home safe storage information for firearms. It's proven consistently that that's how we can save lives and help prevent these incidences, stopping young people from gaining access to firearms in the first place. I know that you, a couple of times that you, the district, a couple of times is sent out in your newsletter that information. I'm wondering what other plans you have to share that. I think one of my concerns is that it being item eight on a school newsletter is not maybe the the best we can do when it comes to sharing this information. So I'm wondering what other plans you all have or are looking at, as well as if there's any way the city could support in that as well.
8: Absolutely. Thank you, um, Vice Chair. So you're absolutely right. I think just to reiterate, uh, we have circulated information from Brady. to you know, our families, students around safe storage um, in the channels that are available to the school district. Uh, it's a contact list of about sixty thousand people. We have a very high open rate uh, for these newsletters, uh, something like fifty-five percent every week, um, and the industry average is twenty-three percent. So you know, I think we're we're sort of reaching a very big and broad audience. I think that your feedback is taken into account. Um, I think in addition to sort of just pushing out this information from our channels, the superintendent has also signed on um, to a a, a letter along with the sheriff's department um, around uh, gun violence awareness and prevention that addresses some of the recommendations associated with safe storage, et cetera. So um, I I did want to sort of highlight that there is not simply just information sharing, but also ongoing advocacy as, as part of the district's initiative to address some of these concerns.
7: I, I hope we'll see that letter sent out at the beginning of next school year to, to all families.
8: Yes, it will actually be sent out this Thursday as part of our family announcement bulletin.
7: Wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping to have it in paper for families to review, if possible, if that's something we can work on. We it.
8: can
1: we can definitely look into that.
7: Thank you. Thank you, Karen.
1: Thank you. Um, I had another additional question as well. Um, I know you talked about expanding wellness centers and middle schools earlier. Um, We had a budget and policy priority about this actually for increasing funding for wellness centers. Um, And we looked into a a report that the CPA did a few years ago about how a lot of SFUSD students just like don't feel secure in wellness centers. And just because there's like a lack of diverse staff, um, a lot of students, especially students of color, don't feel comfortable accessing those centers. Um, So I appreciate that there's like a plan to expand wellness centers to middle schools because um, mental health and social emotional learning as early as possible is really important. Um, but I'm just wondering, are there any plans to like destigmatize issues with um, mental health within SFUSD schools? Um, and how are you guys planning on making those spaces more comfortable for youth? Thank you, Chair Nguyen. So um, this is the youth mojo report from CPA associated
8: with mental health awareness mm-hmm. um, that you're mentioning. I'm familiar with it. Um, and, you know, just also wanted to appreciate you lifting this up. Um, as a key priority that the commission is Paying attention to um, this is definitely an issue that we care deeply about. Um, and you know, I, I wanted to again provide a little bit of context. We are experiencing an unprecedented staffing shortage across not just San Francisco, not just California, but nationally. You might have heard me talk about this in some of the other spaces that, whether if it's the commission, other committee hearings, or I think in our conversations. So, around school social workers. Recruitment and retention. I think we are working around the clock to ensure that there are qualified, licensed, and um, you know, s- just caring staff who are able to provide the kind of practice that would serve our students and family communities um, that you know they can relate to, who have the linguistic and cultural competencies. Um, in light of that being the backdrop and the landscape that we are navigating, we also do in San Francisco very luckily have access to a robust network of community-based organizations who we work with um, to provide the kind of clinical support. I know that at various points when there were incidents that would emerge, um, we have routinely and frequently partnered um, with community-based organizations like CYC to provide in language, culturally accessible um, and responsive um, support and uh, practice at our school sites to heal, to support the school sites from healing. Um, And so as as we're also thinking about how to implement the community schools model, I know that the commission has a survey out on um, student success fund implementation. These are all factors that we are considering as we partner closely with DCYF um, to roll out and implement these resources uh, to be able to provide support
1: to our middle and high schools. Thank you. Does anyone else have any additional questions? Commissioner I had a question. So this is a question for
6: SFUSD. Based on the data from SFPD, I'm seeing a change in crime trends for school calls for service. And I was wondering how SFUSD, possibly the Emergency Operations Center, analyzes this data to determine causes and changes in school crime and the effectiveness of current responses. And when I say effectiveness of current responses, I mean like long-term improvements like wellness centers, and short-term like police response
10: and disciplinary
6: measures and i can repeat the question if that was lost no.
10: no we were trying to figure out who who best to answer the question um, so what we've done over the last two years and what i've done sort of personally and this is in no way official data i just want to um, i want to sort of uh say that to start with is when um when something happens at a site and the police are called and not for like you know um, a student who fell down and got injured that kind of 911 call but when the police are called for service around something um that's not a medical emergency um we create an incident uh report um to give to the board of ed um and then i'm cc'd on it and so i get that report and i sort of track the data as it pertains um to the date um, time, what school, um, sort of um, who called who called um, SFPD, what kind of incident is it um, very, very sort of very raw data. Like I said, it's not something that I would sort of share because it's just not it's not something that we've um, standardized, but that this is something I want to standardize for next year. We I've done it now sort of ad hoc for a couple years. Um, and one thing I will say is that after last year. Um, And and compared to this year, what I noticed is um, at this time last year, we had about, um, again, I really, I'm very, a very big data person, so I want to be very clear that this is not like official, official data. Um, But at this time last year, we had 100 calls, um, and this year we're at 60. Um, So there's actually been 40 less calls of this unofficial data um, for service at school sites by, by, uh, by sites for the police. Um, and I think that can be attributed to several different things, uh, one of which is I think coming back from the pandemic at, uh, last school year, you know, a lot of trauma associated with the pandemic, a lot of mental health support that or needs that were being unmet, and this year that's not the case. Kids are in school, you know, for another full year, getting access to wellness centers, things things of that nature. Um, but in terms of sort of, um, so in terms of analyzing that data, I would say that um, I, I think it's still very, very clear that we do need that mental health support. We do need that wellness center support for our students. Um, and um, as we continue to sort of develop this our relationship with the police in this um, post uh, post previous MOU era, you know, it is important to look at the data that we each have and sort of talk about it together and make decisions based on that data. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I did want to bring up the 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 roughly 40 less calls this year at this time than last year
6: so just to clarify there is a plan next year to have a more like standardized official version of all this data
10: yeah and it's it's you know again it's it's something that i want to work yes there is a plan to answer your question um yes
6: so is this something that like schools would be able to look at to see what they can do or what's been done in the past and what's worked and hasn't
10: worked i think this is more about internal data for us to better analyze You know, if what's working and what's not working, et cetera, I mean, it's good to know when police are out your site and what they're doing and why they're doing it, et cetera, et cetera, and to follow up with school site to see how things are going. Um, But I I, that's not yes, it's 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 more of an internal data type of thing.
0: Okay,
6: thank you.
3: There's another point of data there, too, that I think is important is every site has access to their discipline data as well. And so when incidents have happened, the site, site leaders actually do get to see um, what incidents have occurred throughout the year and what were the remedies for each incident and finding out what's effective or not effective. So we do have the access at a school level to do some of that work as well.
6: Thank you.
1: Commissioner Miller, did you have another question?
12: Yeah, I guess we kind of talked about this a little bit or touched on it earlier, but, you know, we mentioned, like, you know, making sure that students are informed about their rights, you know, when they might, you know, interact with, you know, law enforcement, police, you know, or even just, you know, discipline at school. And I'm just curious, you know, like, how how are you getting that message into the hands of students? Because, like, personally, you know, I mean, maybe it's been vaguely, you know, mentioned, you know, in history, obviously, we learn about you know, some of our basic rights, you know, first amendment, fourth amendment, but like, you know, how, how are you actually ensuring that students know, because it can be very intimidating for students, especially those who have never dealt with the police before and their figure of authority, you know, they, they have a gun, you know, and how are you making sure that, you know, like students, whether it's, you know, during a a threat situation or not are, know their rights when they're dealing with law enforcement.
8: Thank you, Commissioner Miller. Um, You know, I think what you are raising up is such an important uh, question. And I know that the Student Advisory Council um, that is, you know, a a sort of an advisory body through SFUSD, they have been, you know, working um, to be able to lift up the agency and leadership of SFUSD students. And this is absolutely something that we would be happy to circle back and follow up with you in terms of what is the programmatic work that we might be doing to lift up um, know your, basically the rights that students have. Um, I, I would also say that as part of our sort of restorative justice work and, and being able to really integrate this as part of our curriculum, I mean, we are an educational institution, we're the school district, right? Yeah. Um, that that this is a core and important component of how we engage um, in, in terms of really being able to uh, embed this as part of our our dna and what we do
12: yeah and i think it you know it's really important and i think um you know it would be great for the youth commission at some point to you know have more direct collaboration with the um student um the sac um just because i don't know like obviously we're out in the community but actually like you know not as many youth commissioners as maybe is ideal actually go to you know public schools so it's definitely something that I think is really important that you know you're you're hearing from you know students directly as well because you know while we have our you know perspective and we try to represent all of the youth it's really important to hear directly from those in the SFUSD community as well
8: absolutely Commissioner. I do want to highlight an opportunity an avenue I think for that kind of collaboration which is you know, at the onset of the incidents that we have seen, we also recognize that part of this is about shifting the narrative to be able to destigmatize around mental health, but also I think being able to lift up resources and um, information that would be useful to youth, the youth community. Um, And so we are partnering actively with city agencies to roll to plan and implement um, a public service awareness campaign. And and we want to center the agency and um, narrative. And I think influence that youth leaders have in in the city and so we would love to um, extend this dialogue and continue partnership with you
12: yeah I definitely love to um, be in contact and work with you however I can to support that and I think the Commission as a whole
0: ships that
1: thank you are there any other questions from commissioners okay if not I think we can move into the public comment portion of today's hearing. Um, is there any public comment? Mm-hmm. So Alondra is gonna explain the public comment instructions. Yes,
2: so if members of the public would like to speak, please uh, press star three, raise your hand if you're using the Webex app and those in person um, can start to line up um, beside the podium. Uh, those attending in person will have the opportunity to go first. Each individual who's here for public comment will have 2 minutes to speak. Uh, we apologize in advance. If we do cut you off, we want to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to speak, um, this evening. I, uh,
5: thank you, you commission and thank you in particular, Commissioner Parker Plummer and Commissioner Edding for holding this important hearing tonight. Um, My name is Celeste Perrin, I'm the volunteer leader with uh, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America's San Francisco local group, Um, and I brought here tonight a piece of art, um, not in color, unfortunately, I had to print it out on my printer, but it's from a McKinley first grader. She did this in kindergarten and brought it home to her parents. It shows her yelling help, which um, her teacher should be proud that she could actually spell quite well, but um, it's a really tragic piece of art because she's yelling help um, under her desk her friend has been shot and there is a shooter pointing a gun at her so it's clear that you know our san francisco youth at all of all ages feel unsafe um and you know we can't guarantee them their safety in a country where there are more guns than there are men women and children that's really out of our control to some extent but we really want to make sure that we're pulling every single lever we can to keep them safe and make them feel safe so um i'm really happy to hear that SFUSD, I mean, yeah, SFUSD is moving forward with the safer classrooms, the PA systems, the Columbine locks, um, everything we can do to make our schools safer for our, our teachers and our staff and our students. So thank you, um, Commissioner Barker Plummer for really, uh, demand, and Commissioner Edding for really demanding some answers on that. Also wanted to talk a little bit more about um, safe storage um, education, 80% of um Sorry, it's, your
2: public no, comment. That's 30 seconds. Oh, that is 30 seconds. Um, you okay. still have 23 seconds left.
5: Okay, great. So the gold standard, the ideal for um, safe storage education for parents would be to send home a letter at the beginning of every single school year, which they must return, sign and return along with their other beginning of the school year information. LA does this in their much bigger district. I know we have recently lost to LA in basketball. Let's not fall behind them um, when it comes to the safety of our students. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Next commenter, please.
0: Hello, my name is Chrissy Rivera.
14: I'm the parent of three children that attend, two of which attend middle schools, Martin Luther King Junior Middle School and Aptos Middle School, and also a high schooler at Burton High School. Um, I'm also a school district nurse that works at a pre-K to eight school. I would encourage you and I thank you for asking these very challenging and difficult questions. Two of my three children were assaulted this year at school. Um, One of my children witnessed two incidents where parents of her friends that were assaulted came onto campus and um, had an altercation with each other. This is very real, not only the um, active attackers for a mass casualty, but the daily occurrences that occur. As a school nurse, I assess students, I assess students involved in altercations um, at least on a weekly basis. Um, and I would ask that you ask those on the ground actually executing these protocols which are beautifully written however due to significant staffing shortages like have been mentioned it's extremely challenging to implement those so not only do i send my kids to schools on the southeast side of the city with a fear every day that i will be called that one is attacked and hurt um, i also go to work in a setting where i question that too Um, my children are also asked to record planned attacks um and these attacks are also posted on social media so I just thank you for addressing this there's a lot of work to do um
1: and just thank you thank you is there anyone else in person that would like to give public a comment
0: I go online Hello caller, you have two minutes. Of Moms Demand
13: Action here in San Francisco and a parent to two students in San Francisco Unified. And I first wanna just say thank you very much. I appreciate you guys taking the time to discuss this very important issue. Um, And I'd also like to say thank you to Commissioner Barker Plummer for bringing up the safe storage information. Um, As Celeste mentioned earlier, our Moms Demand Action would like to ask that San Francisco Unified support Commissioner Barker Plummer's recommendation to send home a paper notification at the beginning of every school year and that every family must, must sign this. Um, I think this would go a long way in helping make sure that our kids don't have access to guns, not only to prevent school shootings, but it can reduce the number of unintentional shootings and youth suicide. I do thank you for um, taking this time today and appreciate all your efforts here. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Any other online commenters?
11: Hi there. My name is Cindy Schusterman and I live in the outer sunset of San Francisco. I am a member of Moms Demand Action. Can you all hear me okay? Yes, we can. Great. My daughter attends Sunset Elementary, and I've been a Bay Area public high school English teacher for 17 years. Roughly 60 calls to SFPDs, down from 100, is still 60 calls to many when human lives are at stake. The SFUSD should be educating families about California secure storage laws because in the majority of cases, school shooters get their guns from home. In addition to the commissioner's idea about sending letters home and obtaining signatures, there should be signage at every school in all languages spoken there stating state storage laws. These laws need to be mentioned at back to school night, welcome back night, orientations, and at every public and online activity at SFUS campus until we are down to zero active shooter gun on campus calls. In 2014, after a particularly traumatic actual drill, not a lockdown, but an actual drill due to an intruder with a gun on campus, a ninth-grade student asked me, if a tutor came into this classroom, would you die for us? I looked into my student's eyes, who had just been hiding under desks, and I paused and considered my reply. Yes, I would, and I meant it. I literally imagined myself coming between a person with a gun and my students. Yes, I rethought to myself, I would die for my students. At that moment, I realized that I may be shot and killed on the job, mostly by being a teacher at an American high school. Please help SFUSD staff and students stay safe on school campuses because no one can learn or teach when they're afraid to be shot and killed at any moment. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your comments. My name is Amanda Swanson.
13: I'm with um, Moms Demand Action San Francisco Chapter as well. And um, I'd I'd like to first thank the Youth Commission for addressing school safety and um, doing their part to make sure that other schools are safer for um, all children and school communities. I'm the parent of two young children, and while they're not of school age yet, I do them to SFUSD when they're older, and I, I fully encourage implementing all of the evidence-based measures um, that can help keep our schools, students, and school communities safe. Um, thank you again for, for all of your work in helping to ensure school safety.
4: Thank you for your comments. Are
13: there
2: any more callers? If you have not provided public comment, you can press Start 3 or raise your hand in the Webex app. Mm-hmm.
4: Chair when there
2: are no more public comments.
1: Great. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Um, so that pretty much concludes our hearing. Um, we want to thank all of the presenters and the time um, you guys gave us for, for this hearing today and also for answering all of our questions. Um, Thank you to everyone that came and gave public comment, and last but not least, thank you, Vice Chair Barker Plummer and Commissioner Utting for calling this hearing. Um, The Youth Commission is very committed to working on this issue and ensuring that schools are safe environments for all students. Um, We will work until we come up with solutions, and we really appreciate you guys being willing to collaborate with us. Um, And I'll pass it off to Vice Chair Barker Plummer and Commissioner Utting for any of their closing remarks.
7: Thank you, and I would just reiterate all of the thanks, Commissioner Wincher, to all of our presenters for being here. You know, at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. I know that our job is sort of to provide some oversight to you all, but um, we're all on the same team of doing everything we can to keep young people here in the city and county safe, especially when it comes to keeping our schools safe, which, like I said earlier, has unfortunately become a real target for the violence that we're seeing in this country. I think that we should keep this line of communication open. Um, for this commission, I'm sure, you know, the next commission will be sworn in sometime in September. There will still be work to be done um, on those issues. So I wanted to sort of leave this space by saying thank you to you all, and let's keep working together to create um, the safest schools and the safest San Francisco we can.
6: Yes, I'd also like to say thank you and echo everything Commissioner Barker Plummer said. Um, I appreciate all the clarification on our questions. I know we asked a lot. Um, And I think there's always more to explore and I look forward to continuing these conversations. And I do wanna thank you all for the work you're doing right now to support students and make sure that they feel safe. So thank you.
1: Thank you, commissioners Barker, Plummer, and Utting.
2: Clerk, can you please call item number seven? Item number seven is Chinese Community Health Resource Center, Asian American Public Health Youth Leadership Academy Partnership. Okay, so I'll pass it off to staff to go over this item. Yes, so um, don't wanna make this long. Um, the Asian American Public Health Youth Leadership Academy is a program over the summer, um, roughly around July and August, um, which is ran by the uh, Chinese Community Health Resource Center in Chinatown, um, historically we've been a partner um with them pre-pandemic um this youth um academy focuses on um getting more young asian american um, youth involved in public health they basically it's like roughly like six to eight week program where they come up with a um a project um some various projects has been uh, monitoring the um like older Asian population and and smoking trends, others has been um, how to improve mental health at SFUSD schools, Um, everything's just like very like public health related and in the past we've done segments about advocacy and connecting them with their board of supervisors and just, you know, letting them know what the youth commission um, entails. Um, The partnership will basically be that um, staff and maybe y'all, if you're available, um, host the cohort um, in City Hall, talk about the work that y'all do, but also maybe give any insight about how they can continue with um, advocacy on the public health um, projects that they're doing, hoping to get a supervisor or two to come and speak to them, um, and then give them a tour of City Hall. Um, and also the partnership entails that we help them with recruitment. Um, this is a paid um, opportunity um, and it does uh, focus on getting more Asian American youth involved. Is there any questions?
12: I'd just say it sounds like a, um, like a great program. Um, I know in the past when we've had like discussions about like partnerships, like I think um, Coleman Advocates earlier, we discussed like, maybe like having the org come were they like a, not able to come today or
2: yeah so they requested to meet with with staff like two months ago um and exec committee uh, last week uh pre-millenary uh voted to support this just because of the timeline um like we had to give them advance notice uh like a week or two ago that we would sign on as a partner um because we there was just some scheduling conflicts that we couldn't meet with them and um they're willing to come present in the near future as well
12: okay but we've kind of already committed to helping them before it was voted on yeah
2: preliminary from the executive team so today would be like a, a stamp of like the full commission would support this
12: okay I mean, it sounds like a good program. I'm just curious. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Any other questions?
1: OK. Um, so yeah, just to clarify, we would be motioning to sign on as a partner um, so that we can work with this organization. Does anyone want a motion? Would I motion to approve the partnership? Would that be what the motion is? Yeah. OK, that motion was- to approve partnership. Second. Secretary- um, Commissioner Utzing motions to approve this partnership, seconded by Commissioner Barker Plummer. Is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment?
0: Really quick, Sharon who motioned and seconded again?
1: Utting, Barker Plummer.
2: There is no public comment
1: okay thank you um we'll be taking a voice vote on this motion all those in favor of approving this partnership please say aye aye all those opposed say nay great the motion has passed so clerk can you please call item number eight item number eight
2: is staff report
1: okay so I'll pass it off to staff to make your reports
2: yeah um I have like three quick things so I have a larger report i will be emailing out Um, But also just to address uh, Commissioner Miller's remarks about having um, individuals come and speak. So I do apologize. Uh, Sometimes timing does not work out with meeting and then scheduling. So I know in advance um, staff will do their best to try to get, you know, presenters to come and explain their own partnerships, initiatives or requests. Um but again we could not do that this time around. But um, we could invite them to talk more about their youth programming since they want to like um, the the Chinese um, Community Health Resource Center wants to have like an ongoing partnership with the Youth Commission. So we can request that they come and just speak about all of their youth programming. Um, and then the last thing too, or two, actually two other things, is um, if you're going on vacation or need to do a leave of absence for the youth commission over the summer, leave of absence is that um, you aren't are quitting the commission, but you're just not going to be around. And we don't want to use that as like, oh, like a lot of absences and stuff. Um, please like reach out to staff um, because we're truly trying to like make sure Um, Y'all don't have a lot of absences or they're excused in a timely manner um, and work around y'all's schedule um, to ensure that we have a quorum at meetings. So please um, reach out to staff and also thank you to those who did reach out to me. Um, And then the last thing, too, is um, we're trying to plan different activities um, for the commission. An example, going to visit Tay Housing um across the city and county we have an opportunity to go to one in d9 but they're requesting to know which commissioners are interested before we proceed with um scheduling so I know some of y'all have let me know but also it's been a month that they've been requesting so please maybe raise your hand if you're just interested do you have a date no so they just want to know first like who's interested okay
0: okay is everybody interested? Basic
2: is ever okay, basically. Okay. Perfect. So I'll respond um since I'm working with the D9 office to schedule that.
1: I had a question about leave of absences because like I remember it being like it still counted towards your attendance. Like you just said you were gonna miss two meetings, so it's not any different than doesn't really affect your attendance, right? You're just like saying
2: ahead of time I'm gonna be missing two meetings, three meetings. Yeah, so like a leave of absence would be like if you're missing like two months worth of meetings including committees um if you're missing like one or two that's fine just like let staff know in advance or if you're gonna be gone and we don't want to bombard you with emails uh, also just like let us know because we want to be mindful too that you're on vacation with your family um yeah but if you were gone for like a
1: two months leave of absence that would you'd be missing like four or five
2: meetings that's more than the ones you can miss excuse that would dip into your unexcused yeah so the leave of absence is part of like the like a policy within like the city and county so it's not like ours really per se but it just ensures like let's say like someone has a family emergency they don't have to like resign from the commission okay or you can also resign to like relieving but i don't <laughs>
11: encourage you that,
2: that? <laughs> yeah yeah i don't encourage that because you want to stay till your end of your term, but those are options. Thank you.
1: Any other staff report? Yeah. No.
2: All right. Um, just two things. So first, um, if you may have noticed, there is a
3: thick packet
2: of recruitment flyers on everyone's desk. So that is for each of you to distribute. Um, as much as possible, we have two more weeks of recruitment to do. It's kind of the last stretch. Um, I also know many commissioners have yet to fill out their applications. So if you are planning on reapplying, please make sure to get that in as soon as possible.
12: We are even trying to do early interviews with co- with returning commissioners if
2: possible. So please make sure to turn it in as soon as possible. Um, and then second, um, you know, We are also doing this work outside of the Youth Commission, of course, with
12: other community conveners, community-based organizations. So if there's any organizations that you would like us to present to, um, just let us know, and we will be sure to do that.
1: Okay, Um, does anyone have any questions for staff? Seeing none, um, is there any public comment? There's no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Can you please call item number nine?
2: Item number nine is announcements.
1: Okay. So now is the time to share any community events. If you guys have any, um. But if not, that's cool too.
2: Hmm? Oh, I was gonna say that not in recording.
1: Any community events? Okay. Seeing none. Um Clerk, can you please call item number 10? Item number 10 is adjournment. This meeting is adjourned at 7.05 p.m. Thank you guys so much for coming. So